Praise the Lord. The word of God says in Psalm 115, verse 16, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. Amen. Amen. You know, and up in heaven, the Lord has complete and full dominion. There is not a corner in heaven where God's rule and reign has not been established. There is no disease in heaven. There is no depression in heaven. Heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth, the Bible says, he has given to man. Meaning that man, as man, we have a responsibility. And it was given in the very beginning at creation. When the Lord says, multiply, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Have dominion. Now, that was the theme of our mission trips, take dominion. Because it's one of those uh, teachings and values that we want to revisit consistently. And uh, so we went out there into the dark places, into the mountains, into the remote areas. And we went into places where the devil has strongholds, where the devil has established mindsets that are resistant to the gospel, that are resistant to truth and revelation. We went in there and we took dominion. Meaning we, we did a little... We did a little stealing. We did a little plundering. We did a little, little uh, beat down on the devil. Hallelujah. And the devil did not like it. And we'll get into that later. But um, right now, I just want to thank uh, all of the supporters here at Hillside. Uh, I just want to thank everyone who uh, prayed and interceded for us daily. Uh, even if you didn't do it daily, even if you did it once. I thank you and honor you. If you didn't pray for us, shame on you. What were you doing this week? <laughs> I'm playing, but, you know, we just want to thank everybody uh, who prayed. Also, there's a lot of people who fasted. Just want to uh, recognize you secretly because I don't know who you are. The Lord knows who you are, and the Lord will bless you and reward you for just really t- making that sacrifice to consecrate yourself and pray for the trip. And uh, all the finances, we just want to thank everybody in here. All right, let's just uh, let's just uh, honor everybody who supported us, interceded, and gave financially. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Brian, come on, man. Where are you at, man? All right, this. Where's Brian? Ready to go to the bathroom? Oh, he left for E10 one already. Oh, that punk. All right. Hey, John, make sure this is up if Brian forgets. All right, because, you know, y'all are laughing a lot. During most of my message, y'all laugh a lot. If you don't capture it, it sounds like nobody's laughing. I don't like that. There's too many people tuning into this podcast. All right, we need to let them know uh, what the environment is like here. All right, we need to give them the whole experience, not just the message. Amen? Hallelujah. Man, there have been so many people tuning into our podcast. It's ridiculous. Um, I want to take this time and I'm going to give the mic to Pastor Myohua. She's going to just share briefly about the General Santos trip to the Philippines. All right, let's welcome up Pastor Myohua. Uh, hi, everyone. All my team members call me General Myohua. I like that. 
Uh, Pastor Marcus shared a little bit about our trip at Friday Fire, so make sure you listen to him. But also, I'm going to share from my point of view. So I want to encourage everyone to just go to our team members and ask them their testimonies and just put a demand on their stories. It's just purely from my own perspective. So each person, even though we went to the same area, we did the same thing, each person has different testimonies. So you make sure you go and ask them. Don't just say, how was your trip? What was good? Don't do that. Just ask for stories, just speak testimonies and things like that. Okay? So before the trip, as a leader of such a random team, um, we had, I think, the least of the active leaders on our team. We had the Aussies flying in right before, tr- right before the trip. So I personally didn't know what to expect. And I was like on the uh, airplane ride to Manila. I was talking to Mina, and that was what I was exactly thinking. I don't know what to expect with this team. But God was just really good at moving in each person. And God did some amazing, powerful things. So this was personally my 10th mission trip with New Philly. So for me to say that it was a powerful trip, it takes a lot. So when I say it, I mean it. Amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really mean it. So the first couple days in Jensan was a little difficult. We saw some trickles here and there, but it wasn't something that we asked for. It wasn't something that we were expecting. It wasn't, you know, the, the size of it. So we were a little, the lies were getting to us. Maybe our team's too immature. Maybe we're doing something wrong. You know, those lies. But then we were like, you know what? God was telling me that this is a grace period for the team to be more hungry, to ask for more, and also to prepare better for the upcoming days. And then the day three. We went to the Bible school. And then there is a little background at this Bible school. So, so in 2009, when I went to Jensan for the first time with Pastor Christian and other members of the church, it was like the most amazing, the most powerful trip I've ever been to. And just fire fell at the Bible school like crazy. It was like, it's one of Pastor Christian's like favorite mission story, I believe. Like one of the girls like broke out in tongues in the middle of his sermon. He had to wrap up his message and made an altar call and fire fell on every single person. And as soon as I walked into the like the school, I was like, oh, I've been here. Oh my goodness. Like, this is a school. And I just told the team about the history of the school and just everyone was just excited. And then God, God was just, He went beyond and above of what He did in 2009. So even before the sermon went out, like Mina was supposed to preach when we got there, uh, we just shared the words of knowledge to the congregation, to the students, and they were a little discouraged. They looked kind of depressed. And then we shared the words of knowledge, and then the altar call was made just from those words that went out. And then most of the people were already at the altar, and it was powerful time, like crazy repentance, fire was falling, calling was being released and confirmed. It was this amazing time. And Mina went up and then preached the message, and then her, it went out as a great encouragement to the body. It was an amazing time. And then there was, I think, like the transition like transition to the fire, 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 crazy trip. And I think that night we had youth revival with the younger crew, like the children and to like our teenagers. Man, when we entered there, we, were start, we started worshiping, right? I thought we were teleported to the heaven or something. Like according to our brother, Zach, he said he was jumping up and down with the children, making circles. We were just going crazy. You're going to see some of the videos next week. But literally, we thought we were in heaven. And then Brother Zach said, oh, I thought I was going to get heartache. I mean, heart attack. And I was like, I was dying, but those children were like... And then the song was so long, and they couldn't stop, right? 
But then he was saying, oh, in heaven, there will be no like, fatigue or tiredness. But literally, the worship was amazing. And um, uh, Pastor Ching later said that it's like the culture that no one really comes up to the altar call. Because there's that uh, culture about shame, especially when it's related to family issues. No one really wants to come to the altar. So when I made an altar call, it was empty. Literally empty. But I saw so many people crying in the crowds. You know, in the audience, girls were all crying and they wouldn't come out. And then Pastor Ching Tao took the mic and started singing a song in Tagalog. Of course, I couldn't understand. But all of a sudden, all these girls, like everyone, every single person, like flooded into the altar and they just cried wailing, weeping and sobbing. And it was crazy. So God was really binding up the broken hearts and just the hearts of the fatherless, you know. It was an amazing time of inner healing. And the night service, Pastor Marcus preached. I forgot what he preached about, but it was a powerful time. I told you that it was going to revolve around me. Okay, so it was a really powerful time. <laughs> Praise God for Marcus. And then even the fellowship day was, oh man, he, they, the hosting pastors, Pastor Dan and Pastor Ching, we called them Papa Ching and Papa Dan. They were so hospitable. They poured their love on us. They took us to Fisherport. Uh, we went to Prayer Mountain. We went to the beach together. We swam together. And Pastor Dan even prayed for us floating on the, uh, floating on the tubes. Uh, he prayed for Mina and myself for our future marriages and <laughs> receive it to our hearts. <laughs> it was really good. We had amazing tuna and everything. And then the next day we had the, I think one of the biggest ministry that we had was another youth revival. But it was a, little, a bit older crowd, like all the teenagers, no little children. And we went there and after the service, I preached again about the intimacy and forgiveness. And I called an altar call and again, like five people came up. And I was a little discouraged, but I was, you know, thinking, you know, oh, Psalm 4610, it's a verse that was like the theme for me throughout the whole trip. Uh, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we had it for one of the quiet times uh, as a team. And it just kept on popping up in my head. And it's funny how we did it as a call to worship. Because I, I put it aside like months ago. So I don't even remember. And then I heard Anita picked the call to worship last week. It was the same passage. I didn't know. So it was a truly the theme. Just be still and know that I am God. And he told me... Um, because the night before, we were asking for double portion of what we saw at the youth revival earlier one. We are like asking for God, bring down the double portion. We want to see more fire, more, more of you. And then we're asking for double portion. And God told me that I will make this altar as a double portion. So I was a little confused, but I let it go. And I went into the crowd and prayed for people. And then what ended up happening was the whole room turned into an altar. So basically, every single person who was in the church building got touched. Everyone was on the ground. Everyone was on their knees and just crying and weeping. There was no single person who was not touched by the Lord that day. And God really fulfilled his promise that he made it as a double portion. The size of the altar was double, more than double. Praise God. It was really good. And then the night, again, Pastor Marcus preached. I don't remember. but <laughs> It was an amazing sermon. Go ask him. <laughs> and then also that night was like a pushing through. Uh, Mina got sick, Matthew got sick. And at a point, half of our team got food poisoning symptoms. And everyone was like having a hard time, feeling very weak. We had to really just press through and push through with prayers. And our team did an amazing job with that. Um, 
And then also team members brought in a lot of joy into the team and also into the congregation. Um, for example, our brother Jin, uh, I, I know Marcus talked about him a lot, but he released so much joy. So we were praying. A lot of members were sick. So we were just crying out, asking for healing and more fire. And then I, I was closing the prayer time. Right? I was saying, Lord, send your angels and protect us and whatever, whatever. And then she all of a sudden, in the middle of my prayer, he said, hello, angels. <laughs> I see you. I know you're hearing me. And he broke out in like joy. And the whole team got like such encouragement, you know. It was amazing. <laughs> Hello, angels. He was like waving at them. It was amazing. And I'm sure angels are there. And also, like, toward the end, on Sundays, we did the prayer tunnel thing. You know, people just go through the tunnel and get prayer from each person. And then there was one brother who looked really depressed, I guess. And then he went to the end of the tunnel, and there was Jin. And he was like, release the joy of the Lord. I release joy of the Lord. And then he wouldn't smile, right? So I really joy of the Lord. And at the end, he said, smile in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm praise God it worked. He smiled. <laughs> so it was a trip filled with a lot of joy, a lot of testimonies. And God is truly good. And God is truly the king over Jensan. And I thank you so much for all your supports, all your prayers. We really felt it. And just from the bottom of my heart, I just want to really honor the congregation for sending us there and supporting us throughout the whole trip. All these stories are yours. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Myung-ha. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that story yesterday, and I was just rolling, man. Jen, you are something else, man. Um, yeah, as you can see, um, also you can kind of tell um, Pastor Myung-wa is really growing in her authority. Uh, you know, she may be young, but, you know, you can see that God is really growing her leadership and her authority. And I really see, um, you know, I think she's probably led the most missions trips of anyone at our, at our church. Um, you probably led about three now? Two? I think that's still the mo- most... <laughs> Most times we uh, rotate leaders and stuff, but um, you can see her leadership growing each time she leads, and uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. You're doing an awesome job. All right, wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, hey, turn up the mic a little bit. Yo, John, who is that next to you? Yo, what's up, Angel? Yo, hey. All right, just kidding. All right. All right. It only works for Jin. Smile in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Bless your heart, brother. Bless your heart. Hallelujah. So, um, yeah, our, our church, we love uh, sending out the saints out onto the field uh, because we don't want fat saints. We want fit saints. Amen. We want saints that not just get big with knowledge of God's word and learn all these teachings and just sit on them, we want saints that apply the Word of God, that go ahead and put it to use right away. And so uh, we love sending out teams, and uh, our India team, uh, we had an amazing trip as well. And, uh, you know, this is really such a blessing, because up until these set of trips, uh, the Lord was teaching us different lessons, one by one. Like, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, we saw a lot of fire falling in Jensan, 
a lot of fire falling in Myanmar. And, you know, the Lord just highlighted that. And that, that's what mostly what we saw during the trips. And then the, uh, shortly thereafter, the next set of trips, all we saw were, were physical healings. And we saw over 40 healings a year ago at both trips. Uh, we saw like over 118 during the uh, West Papua trip. I mean, it was just, God is just highlighting that, right? And then uh, we had the trips that no one talks about, you know? The trips where, you know, we were hoping these things would happen and really nothing much really eventful happened other than uh, things that were happening among the relationships in the, in, the, in the team. You know, we had those types of trips as well. But God was teaching us through that as well, you know? And uh, it's just such a blessing for God to finally just take all of that, just wrap it all up and just bless uh, the, all three teams with, with all the things that we've learned. And just, you know, things, you know, Bill Johnson says it like this. When God does something sovereignly, right, once he does it sovereignly, it's not for us to say, oh, God does this sovereignly once in a while and wait for the next time he sovereignly moves. But Bill Johnson talks about how when God acts sovereignty, that is an invitation for us to begin to move and minister in that intentionally. Amen? And so, you know, a lot of these things that God shows us sovereignty, we begin to say, hey, that's ours. That's our inheritance. We're accessing a, a different aspect, a different level of our inheritance. And so, you know, as we went out on these trips this time, man, we were just very intentional about bringing the fire, about bringing deliverance to bringing physical healing uh one thing that um uh we saw during our india trip we saw like about i gotta get the official count from units but we saw about 30 to 40 physical healings during the trip uh one girl she said she came up shared a testimony she had blurry eyes for like many years or several years i don't know but it was years and the moment we prayed her eyes got cleared up so she was able to begin seeing so she came up and demonstrated that she can see the clock and she can see and read the signs and things like that. Um, uh, there were uh, different kinds of physical healings. And, and um, man, uh, our team was healing people outside of the service as well. You know, we weren't waiting for the service to, like, pray for the sick. Uh, we would just find people on the streets and different team members, man. They were just going out of the way to pray for the sick. So we saw a lot of physical healings. Uh, we saw... Um, a lot of uh, deliverance on this trip. So I feel like maybe this is something that God's highlighting for us so that we can move in this regularly in future trips for all the teams. But one thing that we saw that was a little bit surprising that we haven't seen on previous trips is that uh, we had a three-night revival. And at every night of the revival, there were demonic manifestations. There was just powerful deliverance going on. And mind you, God does deliverance in a variety of ways, Right? He doesn't have to come upon a person dramatically and then expose the demonic spirits that are controlling their life and then deal with it. I mean, he could do it gradually. You know, he could just prompt your heart, prompt you to join a small group, prompt you to uh, get this teaching, whatever, and then you start to slowly, gradually get delivered and healed from various issues. But during this trip, we were seeing just uh, all these people just breaking out in in the powerful deliverance ministry, and they were just... A lot of these types of uh, what we would normally call demon possession phenomena was just going on all over the altar. And uh, we saw it every single night. And uh, what was heartbreaking was a lot of children, a lot of children were manifesting demonically. And you know that when you see children doing that, that's usually the result of ancestral sin. It's usually like a passed down curse or sin or bondage in the family. 
But we saw a lot of that. And it was, it was, uh, I have some good news, praise reports about that. Cause sometimes we, we, you know, we go at it for a while and it doesn't look like the demons left. And then all we can do is just love them and give, speak words of hope, you know. But I, I'll share a testimony later about, uh, a deliverance that was a sign unto us that God will complete that which He began. Amen? Amen. And we saw a lot of, uh, intimacy, unity on the team. And I felt like God was just growing a big vision for India, a big heart for India and all the team members. And so, uh, as the, um, as your pastor, I also felt like the Lord was, uh, inviting me to consider and explore a long-term commitment to, uh, to partner with the Kuki churches. Uh, within India, there's a remnant of people called the Kuki people. They live in the northeast section of India, along the border of India and Myanmar and Nepal and, yeah, in that area where, uh, near Kind of close to Mount Everest, but not quite. Uh, Mount Everest is in Nepal, near Kathmandu, but it's south of there. Uh, That whole section, there's uh, three main ethnic groups. The Naga people, the Kuki people, and the uh, Maites. And the interesting thing is the Kuki and the Nagas, they're predominantly Christian. We don't know why. Maybe there was a lot of missions work that went into it. We're not really sure. We never found out the history of that. But they are predominantly Christian but also, there has been a, a lot of uh, violence, gun possession, uh, terrorism going on in that area. It was, a, it was a hot spot for India. And the government had a lot of trouble trying to control that area because the Nagas want independence and the Kukis want an autonomous form of government. Not necessarily independence, but autonomous form of government. So there was a lot of fighting there and stuff. And, um, and so before, three years, two years ago when we went, we needed to get a permit to go to this area called Myanmar. I mean, not me, Manipur, sorry. The Manipur section of India. And, uh, but this time, God had brought a lot of peace to the area. And something that God was highlighting for us was the word shalom. And God was bringing a lot of shalom to that area so that when we actually went, we didn't uh, need a permit to go. And actually, when we arrived, uh, Pastor Letlaw, the guy we work with, he was saying that he had never seen so much peace in the area in a really long time. Uh, curfews were lifted. He was able to walk the streets safely at night. Uh, even after our revival services would end, uh, normally they would schedule revival services at four or three o'clock so that people can get home early. This time, you know, our revival services ended at nine, ten, and we were able to still walk home safely because God had brought so much peace in that area. And, uh, so yeah, God was growing a big heart for the kooky people. And so I feel like God was having me consider maybe partnering uh, and co- committing to the kooky people because it's a remnant of people in India that little people know little about. But when we saw into the kooky hearts and the kook pe- people, the kooky people, I know it sounds kind of weird, right? K U K I. We can see that God was doing something really special, you know. And God does that. He loves to take remnants of people and transform a culture, change and bless a nation, you know. And so. Um, that's something I felt like God was also putting on our hearts. Uh, I just want to uh, just honor the team. The whole team did a fantastic job uh, just, um, just being in prayer, preparing, preparing to skip, preparing to body worship, uh, ministering in the anointing. We had a lot of leaders on the team, and they were just ministering powerfully. But we also had a lot of first-timers, and they had never prayed for a person and seen them physically healed. And they had never seen... Anyone gets slain in the spirit when they pray for, for, pray for them. So uh, a lot of team members, some of them, uh, it was their first time. And, and God really answered their prayer. Because there was not a single team member that didn't see either. 
when they ministered themselves personally. And so, you know, the team was doing a great job. Uh, our sister Susie from Itaewon, man, she really surprised me because I, I didn't really know her that well. But uh, during the trip, man, she's just an amazing person. I think she gets maybe um, people don't understand her or people don't really see through to her heart. But, man, Susie's an amazing woman. And during the whole time, she has this powerful evangelistic gifting. So she's constantly talking to strangers, constantly talking to people, constantly she has a baby in her arms, and, and, uh, and she prayed for this woman that just um, gave birth. And she, this woman, I guess from pregnancy, had back problems in her lower and upper back. And uh, she just went up to her on the street talking and, and just holding her baby and was playing with them. And then, and then uh, heard about the back pain and said, well, can I ask Jesus to take away that back pain? And the lady said, sure. So she prayed. And then the lady checked her back and it was like, oh, my lower back is all better. It's all, the pain is gone. But there's still pain in my upper back. And so Susie's like, oh, that's okay. We'll pray again. All right? And then she prays. She prays the second time. And the lady checks her back and she's doing all this. And she's like, wow, it's all gone. Hallelujah. Right? Praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord for that healing. And the lady got so excited, she's like, I'm going to bring all my friends tonight to the revival you talked to me about. And so she came later, and she was just so happy. Um, actually, uh, Susie and Mark were in my small group. We, had, we broke up into small groups. And within my small group, I had uh, my small group uh, petition God for three particular requests that they wanted to see during the trip. So for like, for like Mark, it was a heightened spiritual discernment because he feels like a little bit spiritually dull most of the time. So he wants to really access into the spirit realm. A second thing was he wanted to see physical healing happen when he prays for people. And then third, he wanted to see, um, uh, I think he had four. But one, one of the four were actually seeing somebody get slain in the spirit through his prayer. And then there's something else that I can't remember. But uh, for both Mark and Susie, all of their three requests, they got completely answered. So they, they, they saw God just faithful to answer. I had three. Mine's was a little bit different. So only one of the three were answered for me. But the one that was answered was very, it was a very significant petition that I was bringing before the Lord. Um, but, you know, God is just so faithful when we ask him that, like, specifically that way, you know. And it was just a, such a delight. A lot of times Mark would be on the guitar and he would be leading us in worship. And during the altar call... He would mostly be on the guitar. But one night, I, I told him to get off the guitar, put, put on the iPod, and I told him to start praying for people. And as he started doing that, he saw physical healing. He saw people getting slain. I mean, so for him, you know, it's a very cool experience to see that signs and wonders when you've never seen that before in your life, you know. And that was really amazing. Uh, in the beginning of the trip, we got to visit some orphanages, uh, Grace Home and Mary Claire. And we just, just bonded with the kids, just loved on them. And, and spoke life over them. You know, in, in a, in a, and I don't like calling orphanages orphanages anymore. Because you're just perpetuating an identity that's not theirs. You know? And so I noticed that orphanages that are smart and they're connected to the kingdom, they don't call them orphanages. They don't call them grace orphanages. They call, them, they call it the grace home. They call it the Mary Claire children's home. All right? And uh, I, think, I think we need to take note of that. And, uh, and so we just spoke life over these kids, spoke hope, encouraged them to dream big. 
And uh, we just had a great time. We played some games, and, and uh, I played some games with them. And, and uh, it, was, it was an amazing time. It's an amazing time of games. All right. Um, uh, while we, we had, the f- we had uh, 18 members, we, were, we went first to India, and we, we had a few days to ourselves in India. And uh, on the Sunday, last Sunday, I got to preach at Pastor Letlaw's church. It's called Kuki Worship Service. And it's just a, a worship service of mostly Kuki ethnic uh, college students, uh, men and women, right? Mostly college students. It was like 400 people. It was packed, right? Um, and during the praise time, you know, uh, nobody was singing. I was looking around the room. Uh, apparently, they were singing because Erin had been there two years ago. And she said when she went two years ago, nobody was really, nobody was singing. But this time, she thought people were singing. But when I looked at me, I thought nobody would really sing because it was just kind of like dry like that. And so I went up, and I didn't know what to expect, but uh, I just felt like the Lord put it on my heart to preach about the church being a victorious warrior bride. And I talked about uh, the aspects of the church, and just kind of painted a picture of church that's vastly different than what they were used to. And I was trying to break into that mindset, you know. And so afterwards, you know, we, I, I just, just 400 kids, I can't call them up to an altar call. So, you know, I just pick people out, just pray for them, they're crying and getting hit and stuff, and then... And then I had people just stand up to receive a prayer. And surprisingly, you know, about probably about half the men in there, they all stood up, told them, told them to raise their hands. They were raising their hands. Awesome thing is they, they understand English fluently because the ones that are in Delhi are very well educated. The ones that are back in Manipur, you know, it's kind of all different. There's poor and those are uneducated. But the ones that make it to Delhi, they are government officials. They're, they're working for the government. They're working in kind of like very important positions. And they all understood my English. I just like had them lift their hands, all these people raising their hands. It was a beautiful thing. And I just felt like God uh, was saying something about the kooky young people in New Delhi, that he has a plan for them, and a plan for them to reach the high places and begin to bring change in the Indian nation, the Indian culture, through the kooky people, through these you know, kooky young people. But, um, but that was uh, Sunday, and then we flew into Manipur, we, 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 we united with the uh, remaining five te- members of the team that flew in a little bit later. All 13 of us, we went to Manipur, and then they had Monday night fellowship. So we went to this uh, Monday night service. It's kind of like their joint prayer meeting where people from different churches gather. And uh, I preached on newness of spirit. This message the Lord kind of put on my heart. I just kind of preached it. No notes, just preached it right out of my spirit. And then afterwards, um, people came up to me. And they kept saying, um, well, well the, the guy who translated for me was a guy named Pastor Stephen. And he is like an apostle in that area. He's an apostle in the region. And he's, he's just started teaching about these things in the last several years. And uh, he came up to me afterwards and was saying, people think that we talked before the service and that we had the plan to like, because everything you were preaching, Pastor Christian, has been everything that I've been preaching over the last several years. So he said it was a huge confirmation, especially for like very conservative leaders that had a lot of doubt, skepticism. Uh, he, they really thought that we had conspired together. But the truth of the matter was I met this guy just a couple minutes, you know, right before the service, you know. And uh, that was a really big um, confirmation, I think, for the kooky people there. And the Lord was just kind of establishing the apostolic ministry um, through Pastor Stephen and other leaders in that region. Um, we saw some healings that night. It was real good. Um, and then we had a three-night revival there in Manipur. Three-night revival. And I preached the first night. 
And man, let me tell you about this first night real quick. Man, it was a hard first night. You know, and somebody's got to go first. You know, and so I went first. And it was hard. It was real hard because Satan just, like, gave this massive attack of fear. Right? And so the first night, nobody's singing. Mark and Diana are so discouraged because they have to lead worship every night. Right? Nobody's singing. Because the vast majority of young people, they understand English. So they can sing the songs in English. Nobody's singing. And then when I start preaching, my translator, she just, just freezes up. And she just looks like she's in fear. And she just like, just blanking out, zoning out, asking me to repeat like all these different things. Uh, and she just looked like she was full of fear. And so, you know, I naturally thought it was my fault. So, you know, I was like, I was like, I was trying to like, you know, I'd be like, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. You know, and then later on, I had all the people pray for her and stuff. It was just massive attack. It was like the hardest sermon I ever had to preach. But you know what? I had to preach the whole thing. So I did not leave out any single point. I preached the whole entire thing. And uh, we got through to the end. And then we did an altar call. And, uh, and, and God started just uh, touching different people. And then we saw the first night, we saw the demonic manifestations break out. Um, I want to talk about one of the, one of the girls uh, that we prayed for. No, no, actually, that was the second night. Anyway, first night, it was good. Second night, Erin goes up and she preaches, you know. And uh, the banner said revival meeting with Pastor Christian and NPWM team. But, you know, in heaven, we know that it said revival meeting with Pastor Christian and Aaron, right? And the, and the NPWM team, right? So I, I was just trying to speak life over her and just saying, Honey, you are appointed to preach. You came here two years ago and you broke the ground, all right? You helped break up the ground. You go up, you own it. And she went up and she preached out of her spirit a, pre- a message on identity. I remember the messages that my wife <laughs> preached. And uh, <laughs> she preached on identity and, and man, it was so good. And the same translator, right? Because we realized the first night of the revival, you know, we were all excited and we were all trying to go out. Not, don't strive. Just go out in the identity. Be who you are and we can access everything. But in having that attitude, we got a little bit lazy. We got a little bit uh, kind of laid back, too laid back. And we didn't cover ourselves in prayer enough. Actually, right next to that church building, there was a Hindu temple going up. So, you know, there's all kinds of occultic uh, dedications happening in that land, you know. And so, you know, we, we realized we didn't really do that. So the second day when Erin preached, right before she preached, you know, the team went around. We anointed uh, the area with oil and just prayed over the area. And then we prayed for the translator because I think she was traumatized from the previous night. Like literally, she was so discouraged. So, you know, we prayed for her. Krishna got to prophesy over her. Really like good prophecy. Just She just started crying and weeping. And then right after she's done weeping, you can tell she's like a new person. She's like, I'm ready to translate. And I was like, I wish you had been like that yesterday. She looked strong. And she went up there and she, she translated for Erin and she didn't miss a beat. She, was just, she just got flowing and flowing and flowing and she was just in the flow by the middle of the message. And Erin preached such a good message. Right? These conservative, these are mostly conservative Baptist Christians, right? Never experienced the Holy Spirit, never seen any of this stuff, never heard about fivefold ministry. They're sitting there, and they just start clapping, like, in the middle of our message. There were, like, five uh, outbursts of clapping during the message. It was like the State of the Union address, you know? <laughs> like, it was, it was, I was like, 
I like some of that, please. But uh, man, she did an amazing job. And then uh, afterwards, we prayed for people who are struggling with depression and with fear. And all these people came forward, praying for them. And Holy Spirit's laying them out. Holy Spirit's healing them. You know, demonic manifestations start breaking out on some people. And then I prayed for this one girl on the stage. And her name was Jajai. J-A-J-I-J-A-I. Jajai. And I came up on her, and she was standing up to pray for people who were struggling with fear. The moment I lay hands on her, she goes down in the power of God. And she's on the ground. She's shaking, manifesting. I come over, and I start holding her hand toward the end of the altar call. And I just started kind of speaking life and kind of telling her, don't be scared. You know, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Lord your God. You're doing okay. She's shaking, shaking, shaking. I'm like, it's all right. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord. And then the translator comes over, and then she's like, She's like you know, praying, and she's kind of praying a little aggressively. I'm like, calm down. This is just the, this is just the Lord. And she, she's like, no, I think this is bad. So I'm like, what? What you talking about? Ask her, do you think she's as good or bad? And she, she, trans, she translates, and then the girl says, I think it's bad. So I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> hey, nobody bats a thousand, okay? So, yeah, I was like, oh, man. And so I just started praying for her deliverance. And right away, man, full-on demon possession started coming out. And, um, you know, she's, she's about 12 years old, right? And she's, she praying. And this demon was vicious. I mean, it was like, I mean, I've, I've encountered really severe cases like this. And uh, this one was pretty bad. This one was pretty bad. And, and I, was, I was commanding it, binding it. No response. I've never seen that before. Never in my deliverance history before have I, have I commanded uh, things... Like her arm will be shaking. I'll be like, I command the right arm to stop shaking. I bind you by the blood, something like that. If I say that four or five times, it's, it stops. I did this like 20 times. Nothing, nothing, nothing was happening. And so I, I brought over Pastor Stephen. You know, he's an apostle. And we, we just kind of went to work. Double tag team. And, but pa- Pastor Stephen, man, he does old school Pentecostal deliverance, right? So he comes over and he's like, he's like, ah, you are defeated in the name of Jesus. You're coming out right now. Come out. And she, he starts slapping her face. Come out. Come out. Right? And he's going after the demon. So I'm just like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, come on. Come on. And, you know, you know, we went, we went to work. But, you know, it had like 20 minutes, man. And then there, was, there was no change. There was no change. So I was like, oh, man, the girl, this girl is going to get traumatized. So I said, Pastor Stephen, let's lay back. Let's, let's hold back. And he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And he's got his head like still, he's got his hand still on her head, like gripping her head like a basketball. Pastor Stephen, let's lay back, lay back, lay back. Lay back. She's still like demonic manifest. She's crying, you know, my heart's breaking. I'm like so angry at the devil, you know. She's a young 12-year-old girl and and she just has no idea what's happening to her body. And so, um, uh, yeah, we have to go home. So, you know, I try, usually when, when, you know, at the end, if there's no full deliverance, I'll say something like, I bind you in the name of Jesus, uh, I command you to stop so this person can walk home, or something like that, right? And it works. It works, like, 100% of the time. It's the only time I saw it where it didn't work. Nothing, no response. So, man, she's still shaking. She starts shaking. So, I feel so helpless during this time. And I wrote in my journal um, the next day, I, was, I felt so helpless. Um, because her mom is here escorting her back with her sister. 
And this girl's crying and her arms can't stop shaking and she can't walk straight. And we just have to say, uh, don't worry, Jesus will, he'll, he'll set you free. You know, um, you know keep praying. You know, God's going to finish what he started. And I said that, but it was hard to believe it because nothing in the natural has shifted. You know, and so my heart broke for her and my heart broke as we had to say goodbye to her. The next day, you know, we do some other ministry and uh, it's my turn to preach. Uh, the last night of the revival, the third night. And before the last uh, night of the revival, I had a little quiet time with the Lord. And so f- at 4.15 on Thursday, I wrote, I feel so helpless as I saw Jaja yesterday. She looked so scared and I just felt my prayers were affecting nothing. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. And so instead of asking the Lord, what should I preach on on the last night? I prayed the majority of the time, Lord, set free this young girl. Set her free. Set her completely free. And I was just crying out to the Lord. I was just dealing with the Lord. You know? And um, an hour later, I go to the, the church to, to, we, we, to pray over the grounds. You know, we want to make sure we were prepared again. And I get there, and her, Jajai and her mom are standing there. And then they ask to have a word with me. And so I look at her. And she looks, she looks pretty good, right? And she's not shaking. So I take her to the back, and, I, and I'm just thinking, you know, what happened? You know, is everything okay? And then uh, her mom begins to explain, and Jajai starts to explain that when they took her home, her family gathered around her because they were so worried for her. And she was on the living room couch or whatever, and she was just shaking uncontrollably still. And so the, the, the family was trying to, Encourage her to try to go to sleep. And so they prayed silently around her. Right? Just kept praying silently around her. And then around 10 o'clock that night, Jijai said that she saw a vision of two angels come and begin to lift her up. She felt herself like lifting, maybe in her spirit. I don't know if her body lifted, but she felt like she was lifted. And then she, in, in, in kind of this angelic visitation, she can feel like she's flying. And she just felt things just like lifting off. And she just felt like she was flying. And she said she felt so much peace. She said she was just ready. She was just ready to die. Like she was ready to die in a good way. Like, you know, she, she didn't want to leave that experience because she felt so much peace. And then when the experience ended, all the demonic manifestations had stopped. You know, and the Bible says angels are ministering spirits, you know. And, you know, we got to believe that these are testimonies that do follow after we leave or after we send someone away. We may not hear about them every time, but I felt like God allowed me to hear this to assure me, hey, just keep believing my word. Keep ministering with hope and certainty. Because the victim on the other hand, the person who's being harassed and oppressed, it's hard for them to have hope. We need to have hope for them. And we need to stop trusting what we see in the natural and we need to trust what God has said. Right? And so it was such a delight when I heard that. And so uh, by that time, uh, you know, my goal was not to get people free, but to keep them free. So I just kind of investigated a little bit. And uh, they said that uh, her mom had enrolled her in a, in, a, in a Hindu school the year before. And so Jajai was talking about how at the Hindu school, they do Hindu prayers each day. And they force her to meditate and say different mantras and stuff like that. And she had participated in some of this stuff. Not like with her heart, but she's still kind of engaged in it. 
you know. And uh, I've, I'm pretty certain that that's what, you know, these Hindu demonic occultic spirits, idolatrous spirits got in through her participating in those prayers, you know. And so I asked her just to confess. Would you like to confess this as sin and just to renounce it? She said, okay. And so she followed me in a prayer. We repented, renounced of it. And then she also uh, talked about her need to forgive her father because her father, uh, in 2008, uh, he passed away uh, because uh, he was an alcoholic and he drank himself to death. And uh, she felt anger toward him. Why did you leave us? You know, why did you fail us this way? We need you here. And it's like a house, I think, of about four or five daughters or something like that. And so, you know, they were just so shattered and broken with the absence and departure, premature departure of her father, you know. And so she, you know, I encourage her during the service, why don't you pray? Pray and deal with the Lord about your father's death and forgive your father for his mistakes, you know. And so, yeah, man, she, you know, she, she said, okay, and... And uh, we had the third service. You know, I preached on the baptism of the Spirit. I preached also shortly on the gift of tongues, you know, which is, which is something I love to preach on these days, you know. And um, a lot of preachers don't go out of the limb and they preach on tongues because, you know, they know all of the, all of the uh, stigma that's attached with the gift of tongues. But I, I kind of just went after and preached it, all right? Afterwards, you know, we do altar call, praying for all these young children. And uh, one of my... Three requests was remote, remote released fire. You know, because you know, I see it sometimes, but I want to see it like on an increased level. You know, and it's like Diddy stand up and then not even go up to him, be like fire, and the Diddy just hits the ground. You know, that's what I want to see. You know, so I was praying for that, and so I tried it on the children when they all stood up. I said, "Raise your hands, children! Fire of God is going to come on you! Fire!" And all these kids are like. Ooh. I was like, fire! All right, team, pray for them. So the team goes out and starts laying hands, and then these children, boom, boom, they start dropping onto their own bench, you know, and just the, right from where they are seated, they just start dropping on the ground, just being filled with the spirit. And then, uh, you know, we prayed. Anyway, Jajai came up, and one of the team members prayed for her. Boom, she got slain in the spirit. She's on the ground, and she's manifesting again. Very similar, by the way. Looks exactly the same as the previous night. All right. So she's on the ground and I'm praying for some other brothers. And then there's like a line of people lined up now. And they're asking me to pray for them for, for, for paralysis or different things. And I'm praying for them. And I'm, I'm seeing her out the corner of my eye. And she's shaking on the ground crying. So I'm thinking in my heart like, oh, man. Stupid spirits got back in. Or those stupid demons, they never left. Oh, man, she's going to be so discouraged. And my heart started to start breaking, you know. But I was just, just hopeful. I was just hopeful that she was actually getting baptized in the Spirit. But I needed confirmation. So after I got done praying for the men, I went up to her on the ground. And I said, Jajai, Jajai, it's me, it's me. It's like, what do you feel? And she's like, I feel really good. And she's like shaking still. And, and I'm like, Hallelujah. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I prophesied over her earlier that she has a purpose and a calling. That's why the Lord is doing a deliverance so dramatic for her. Everybody, God wants deliverance for all of y'all. But when he does it dramatically, it's oftentimes a sign of a calling and purpose on your life. So, you know, I, I said that out and I said, you see that God's delivered you last night, 
24 hours later, you are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, this is, you got a calling on your life, young lady. And by the way, she spoke English perfectly. I don't know why the previous night she, she, she had me translate. And, and anyway, anyway, she's a smart girl. She's a smart young girl. And, uh, and then she, she comes up to me again. And then she says, she says, Pastor Christian, I feel like something's about to come out. I'm like, oh, man. Stupid demons. No. And then she goes, she goes, I feel like I want to say something. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, it's like, it's like right here. I just, I feel like it's going to burst out. And my lips start, it's shaking. My lips are shaking uncontrollably. I'm like, that's the gift of tongues, girl. Jajai, <laughs> I want you to go sit down over there on that bench. I want you to exercise this gift. Don't shelve it. Don't put it away. Exercise it right now. And then you tell me how you feel later on. You know? so I told her to go over there and pray and talk to, talk to God the Father. And so she sits down. And she was so determined to practice. And she's sitting there. And she's like, it was so cute that I had Matt Walker, right? Or somebody, Andy, I got them to videotape it. Because she was going at it for like 20, 30 minutes, right? And so after I mentioned some other people, I came up to Jajai and said, Jajai, how do you feel? She, she has a big smile on her face. And she's like, I feel electricity all over my hands. Electricity. I'm like, that's the anointing power of God. And the cool thing was her mom sitting right next to her, just looking with bewilderment at the dramatic change. In the natural, it looked like the same thing from the previous night. But it was a completely different source. You know? And so, man, it was such a... Man, that encouraged me so much. It was just like that 24-hour miracle. You know? And uh, God just did such a powerful, quick work in that young, young girl. Uh, it was such a blessing. Um, and, you know, that was one of the big highlights for me during the trip. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of, we saw this gifted young man named Kevin. He was like eight years old, seven years old. You know, he has, oh, he's 12. Okay. He's short. He's a little short. But he, he, he sings really well. And, you know, we asked him to sing and he's like, you know, he's singing, heal the world, make it a better place. You know, he's singing Michael Jackson songs and we notice he, you know, he's got a gift he's got a sharp mind but when we pray for him at the altar he starts manifesting demonically coughing and just you know so our hearts just broke to see that you know and we were just ministering to him and we weren't sure if it was out or not and the next day same thing he started manifesting demonically you know and when we send people home like that you know without a clear mark or sign that they're fully delivered you know we can feel very hopeless we can feel very discouraged but, you know, that's when we need to believe the word of God, right? That he who began a good work in you will complete it onto the day of Christ Jesus, right? So whatever God starts, he finishes. But we, he, he's looking for people that will come in agreement with that. If all we do is doubt and blaspheme him by, by saying, God, you, you start things, but you don't finish them, you know? You know, there's, he, we need, he's looking for people that will come in agreement with him, you know? And uh, I think it's very, it's very, very important that we do not, we learn not to trust what we see, but we continue to trust what he says. And Pastor Benjamin, he prophesied that we're at a time, and he's experiencing this personally for himself, where God declares one thing over your life, and then immediately after, the opposite seems to happen. 
For example, you know, God may say something about your finances, and then the next week you lose your job. Or God says something about your marriage, or, you know, and then the next week you, know, you break up with your boyfriend. You know? And we're living in a time, Pastor Benjamin said, where God is teaching us to trust not what we see, but what he says. To follow his presence and voice. Right? Rather than just our natural observation. And, and, and when we do that, that's when the dream gets bigger. That's when God prepares. He prepares things to be released at the proper time. Yeah. So, man, it was, it was a wonderful trip. Um, there's a, other cool stories, but I'm going to wrap up. Um, but i got to wrap up with this story. And... Uh, you know, we, we just had a fantastic time during the, during the whole week. And, um, man, I mean, on the final night, Thursday night, you know, we had team sharing. We were just so happy. We were just so, we were just having fun, you know. And there's no electricity at night. So we were just, you know, had this little LED light thing in the middle. And we are just sharing in the dark. And we just had a blast. And we were just, we just went, went to sleep at 1 a.m. And, uh. At 3 a.m., Aaron wakes me up, and uh, she says, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. Uh, Eunice is in a lot of pain, one of our team members from Itaewon. She's in a lot of pain, and she's crying. Uh, I, I need you to come. So I get up, and, you know, we have to, ca- we have to wake up at 7 a.m., catch a flight, you know. So I'm, like, all groggy, and I go in, and I'm thinking... She's got indigestion, you know, or something. Maybe it's, uh, in the worst case scenario, maybe it's appendicitis. And so I know how to diagnose appendicitis. So I kind of checked her for symptoms, and she had no symptoms of appendicitis. But her stomach was in so much pain. And she's just crying and, and just like, ah, this is painful. It's so much pain. And, and, you know, I'm trying to ask her, you know, what did you eat? You know, are you lactose intolerant? You know, like, I'm just like, you know. And, uh. And she just starts like punching her stomach because she is in so much pain. She wants it to go away. So I'm like, ah, stop punching your, stop. You, you just punch my hand, girl, stop that. <laughs> so we, I just start praying for her healing, right? I start praying for her healing. I don't care what it is. We just start praying for her healing. And then she just it starts getting worse. And then her hand, her right hand gets numb. And then her left hand gets numb. And then her face starts getting paralyzed. So we're like, okay. This is not constipation, indigestion, or lactose intolerance. <laughs> this seems like a demonic attack, right? And so I had the, you know, amazing thing was, this was going on for about 30 minutes, and Diana, Susie, and Christian were sleeping on the bed. <laughs> but, but Eunice was in so much pain to the point where she made so much noise, all three of them woke up. And then we just started contending. We just started praying, and we were just started declaring, we're praying, and commanding it off of her. And people were getting different prophetic visions of like a voodoo type doll. So we're, we're thinking this is maybe a witchcraft attack, some kind of curse that was placed on one of the team members, you know. And it could have been somebody at the revival service, may have cast a spell, or it could be like a Hindu practitioner, you know, did some kind of curse or something. We don't know what the source is, but we're just trying to follow the leading of the spirit, follow the prophetic visions. And just trying to, and so in layers of obedience, you know, we're starting to see breakthrough. And then I just felt the Lord prompt me, wake up the fellows. I don't want them to miss out on this. 
You know, I, I heard that real clear. So I told Diana to go get the fellas. So Matthew and Andy and Mark, you know, they come in like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> and Eunice is like, ah! <laughs> and, they, and they kind of sit down. And they're like, <sighs> pray, brothers, pray, sing, sing. And we start singing praise songs. Then we started singing VBS songs. I kid you not. Holy Spirit put on my heart. Sing the VBS songs. So we started singing power, power. Uh, uh, there's power, power. Wonder working power in the blood. That's powerful lyrics for this kind of thing. And then we sang nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing. What can take your love away? Nothing. We're just singing VBS songs. Singing different songs. And, and then her hand starts getting better. You know, one hand starts getting better. And then she feels the... Oh, the other pain shifting from her hand to her legs. So she feels this pain crawling down her leg and then her feet starts like in excruciating pain. And she's like, my feet hurt! My feet! My feet! I'm like, oh, snap. We were just praying. And <clears throat> Needless to say, we went at it for like two hours. Right? And, um, and there are different prophetic meetings. We don't know... It any of them were right on or if all of them were right on but we were just taking whatever we can get and uh krisha had purchased a pair of sandals that she felt like the holy spirit had told her not to but she did and, and so i don't know if the sandals had anything to do with it but but i was like i don't care get rid of them sandals she was like i'm getting rid of these sandals <laughs> so i don't know we were doing everything everything but the thing was, it was, once again, it was a similar, very similar lesson. We were praying, praying, and it seemed like the pain would stop, and then it would transfer. So to us, we felt defeated. We felt like nothing was taking place. But the prophetic words we would get, and the prophetic promptings the Holy Spirit was putting on my heart was, don't trust in that. Don't trust what you see. Just keep pressing in. This is going to end. And so I keep saying that to Eunice. Hey, Eunice, it's okay. She's like, why? Why? It's not ending. Why? And I'm like, I'm like, hey, girl, it's going to be over real soon. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Right? And um, uh, after about two hours, the, uh, the, the pain subsided for the most part. And then we felt like a, like a very temporary peace. Like it was very peaceful. She felt better. And we're like, yeah. You okay, Eunice? You say, yeah, I feel just a little discomfort, but it's better. It's all gone. And then, oh, no, here it comes again. Ah! Pain comes back, you know. Oh, man, she's just like so discouraged by this time. Because, you know, it looks like it's over and then it comes back, you know. And then, you know, Christian's like, counterattack, counterattack, it's a counterattack. <laughs> Christian's doing one-arm push-ups, by the way. This, this is her manifestation when the Holy Spirit comes on her. She, she says that right now she cannot do a one-handed push-up. When the Holy Spirit comes on her, she can do a one-handed push-up. She's like, oh! Counter-attack, counter-attack, oh! It was, it was very fun. It was funny. It was serious, but it was funny. And then, um, but yeah, I got the same thing in my spirit. It's a counter-attack. So, you know, the counterattacks, the nature of a counterattack is much weaker than the original attack. It's very easy to, to lift off a counterattack. And the strength of a counterattack comes in the lie. If you come in agreement with it that nothing happened and nothing, the name of Jesus had no effect, or if you come in agreement with that, that strengthens the counterattack. But if you don't come in agreement, you reject it and you just kind of command it off. Counterattacks are very easy to ward off. And so, you know, we identify as, as a counterattack. So we just kept pushing in. 
And I think we went for about another 10, 15 minutes. And then Aaron got a prompting to read Psalm 18. And so she, I, we just had everybody stop praying, stop singing. And then she, she read Psalm 18. And verse by verse by verse, I'm just looking at Eunice the whole time. Eunice starts feeling better and better. And her face starts, stops contorting. And she just feels more peace, more peace. And by the time Aaron had finished reading, we, I said, update. And you says, it's all gone. It's all over. And we're like, are you sure? And Eunice is like, it better be. Oh. And she gets up smiling. She's like, oh. And we're like, okay, that looks like it's all over. And it was like completely over by then. But man, like, um, I mean, it's a real deal. Like, uh, and we noticed that our teams are tending to get attacked toward the end of the trip. We're kind of putting our guard down. And so we want to ask every person that goes out on missions, everyone who's interceding for us, please pray all the way to the end and even a little bit after the trip so that people can process and write their testimonies. We need that covering. You know, we need that covering. And uh, we don't want to, we want to eliminate these vulnerabilities. Things like this. But nevertheless, Jesus led us into triumphal victory. I got a one-hour nap in. We did not miss our flight. Right? And, and we, we took off from Manipur. And we're full of joy. Perfect health. Everyone's doing great. Um, and the cool thing at the end uh, was we get to New Delhi waiting for a flight to go to Korea. And uh, while we're having dinner in New Delhi, uh, Pastor Letlaw tells us, oh, did you hear the news? And we're like, what news? And he, he's, he's, like, he's like, there was an earthquake in, in the city you guys were just in. There was an earthquake, 6.4 earthquake. No, it was 6.4 actually. 6.4 earthquake. Okay. All right, so no joke, right? It's verified by CNN. It's a small story. The reason why it's a small story is, although it was a significant, 6.4 is a very big earthquake, you know? Um, But the good news is there were no damages or injuries, right? And so, I mean, that's got to be the Lord. You know what I mean? That's got to totally be the Lord. And just just in case you think we're looking into things too much, you know, because we think this is a sign. This is a sign of the spiritual shaking that took place in that region. That demonic powers were being destroyed and were taking dominion, you know. And in case you think we're looking into too much, just, you know, God's been known to do this. In fact, when Jesus was crucified, after he died, there was a huge earthquake, right? And what people saw in the natural, they saw a crucifixion. They thought it was... The end of Jesus. They thought it was the defeat of Jesus. The earthquake was a sign saying no. It was the greatest victory that ever took place in human history. Right? And so, man, it was, it was just a powerful sign unto us that, uh, that the Lord had uh, really shook up Satan's power in that region. And uh, we believe that uh, he's calling us to partner with them more into the future to really bring apostolic grace, to establish the conservative churches in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the truth of God's word. And so, man, it was a powerful trip of taking dominion. And we just want to thank everybody for taking part in it. All right. Let's praise the Lord one more time. Hallelujah.
Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much, God. That we have a congregation of fit saints, not fat ones. Yeah, Lord. So, Father, I pray you will continue to stir up the hunger of the congregation here. That they may eat, that they may feast. They may feast on your word, feast in your presence. But they will continue to apply those things that they learn. So they will go out as a mighty army, an army of mighty warriors. Not an army of lazy fat ones. But we thank you that this house is raising up an army of mighty, powerful, authoritative, bold, taking dominion, possessing the gate of the enemy's warriors, God. And Father, it is a privilege and honor to father this house. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.